Welcome back. Uh, I want to thank Ryan for giving me the week off last week. It's good to be back uh, speaking this morning. Uh, I'm going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 2, and we're going to look at the whole chapter as we continue our series in the book of Proverbs. And I will be outlining different characters from the book of Proverbs throughout the summer. And so if you're following along, uh, last time I spoke about the character quality of envy or jealousy, and today I'm going to highlight the voice of the Father the voice of the Father, specifically in in Proverbs chapter 2. You should have uh, got a listening guide, and if you don't have one, there's a few floating around here as well. But we really want to focus on the Father's voice today. The main point of Proverbs chapter 2 that I want to bring out this morning, the main idea is that God the Father is passionately speaking to you. Right? Just like invisible radio waves that are constantly bombarding, you know, everywhere, and you just simply have to tune your your radio to the right frequency so that you receive the full effect of that broadcast. In the same way, God is passionately speaking. His voice goes out. And you, as a believer, must tune your ears to hear His voice. And not just hear His voice, but do what He says. Why? Because there are competing voices in this world. Amen? Amen. There's a ton of voices that are competing. Have you ever heard of the... Uh, of the, the it's not a disease, I guess it's a condition, but it's called misophonia. If I said that right. Misophonia. Anybody ever heard of that? Probably not, but you know exactly what it is. Uh, when I grew up, I had five brothers and sisters, and we used to cram in this little Chevy Nova, you know, and the, some kid would sit on the hump, and another would be crawled in the back seat by the rear window. There were no safety restraints or seat belts or car seats or anything like that. If you just, you found a spot, if you had a family of seven, and whatever car you had, you just kind of crammed in there. And as we would drive, no matter where we would go, if I heard my brother breathe, right, my, it, would, it was like nails on a chalkboard. Misophonia is that issue. It's the issue where, it, listen, it's also called selective sound sensitivity syndrome. Who has that issue? Nails on a chalkboard, somebody chewing with their mouth open, maybe the voice of somebody that drives you crazy, but it doesn't take much. And listen, if you look up misophonia, it is horrible. It is an anger, a rage, a wrath that comes out in you at the instant sound of something terrible. Misophonia describes those noises that trigger you in some way. Now, if that's you... Um, you understand how quickly a noise can bother you. If I get in the car and there's a rattle, I, I almost have to stop the car. I can tell where the rattle's coming from. I have to look around. If I can pinpoint it, I, I, I can't move very well if I hear that. These voices, these sounds, all these things that are happening around us drown out the voice of the Father, don't they? They drown it out. All these competing voices. Think about all these cultural voices. We were at a a baseball game yesterday, and all the parents are sitting in this area, and a kid is running, and he's kind of caught between bases, and half the people are yelling, go back! And half the people are going, go forward! And the coach is yelling, come on! And go back! And the other team is screaming, and all these competing voices are shouting, 
confusing, chaotic messages, right? And until you are able to tune your voice to hear the coach, or tune your voice to hear the father, you are going to struggle with a chaotic, winding path. If you're not able to tune your voice to the Father, because there are competing voices. Listen to the voices that shout to you all the time. There are the voices of your parents. Do better. Stop doing that. Listen to me. Don't do that. Do this. Clean your room. Don't do that. Come over here. Didn't you hear me say it's on the washer? It's next to the dryer. It's it's on the sink. It's in the kitchen. Whatever you say, it's not going to register, right? The voices uh, of your parents can sound like that. The voices of a teacher, listen. The voices of a coach, do this and don't do that. Work on this drill, don't do that. A co-worker, did you hear what so-and-so said about the boss? Or what happened here? Or what this might happen with our company? Or maybe um, commercials are telling you, buy this, don't buy that. Or reviews, or this product is no good. Or other reviews, this is the best product ever. The voices of your friends, everything's fine, you're cool, don't worry about it. Or this person is terrible and toxic in your life, you need to get rid of them. Friends can have that kind of influence. Maybe the voices of family, maybe the constant voices of all these societal issues that say, if you don't speak out about my cause, then you are this or you are that or you're a bigot or you're, you know, these all these names that they want to give us. The voices from social media, from Pinterest and from other things that might say, you're a terrible mom if you don't you know, do all of these things health-wise and husband-wise and parenting-wise and family-wise and travel-wise. Man, we're just bombarded, aren't we? Constantly by all of these voices. Not to mention, and I don't want to sound weird, but the voices in your mind, right? Not in a kind of weird way, but... But we all have just sort of a a loud voice in our mind that says, man, you're terrible. You really blew it. You are one of the worst people ever, right? Or, Or maybe it's the voice of pride in you that says, you're awesome. Oh, man, you got it together. Don't you wish other people could have it together as much as you have it together? And then there's the voice of the enemy that says, there's no way God could love a person like you. You messed up there. And I doubt that there's any more grace to cover the way you blew it back there. The voice of the enemy, and in all those ways, all those voices sort of blend together to make it hard for you to hear the small whisper of God. You remember that story from Kings when Elijah has just called down fire from Mount Carmel? and destroyed all the prophets of Baal, and then he flees. And as he's fleeing, he uh, is trying to get away, and he finally comes to this place in the mountaintops, and he's waiting to hear from God. And he says, I'm the only guy left. I'm the only prophet left. And it says, as he walked outside, there was a great earthquake, and a great fire, and a great uh, storm, and a gra- all these things were brewing. And then the voice of God came, how? It's a whisper. It's a very small whisper. And so it's sometimes hard for us to hear the voice of the Father. To hear the voice of the Father. But Proverbs 2 wants you to hear the voice of the Father. And the main thing that He's telling you is to walk in wisdom. The Father is urging you to walk in wisdom. He wants you to walk in wisdom. He wants you to listen to His voice, not the voices that rival that of the Father. And so, let me just sort of in parentheses say this. When God urges you in Proverbs 2 
to walk in wisdom is almost synonymous with us as New Testament believers saying to walk in Christ or to Galatians 5, walk by the Spirit. So when I say walk in wisdom, what I really mean is that for us New Testament believers is that you should have a a walk, a relationship with Christ where you're listening to Him. I don't have time to go into all the ways that those connect, but if you look briefly at Colossians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, you'll see that in this passage, Paul is praying that their hearts would be encouraged, that uh, they would be knit together in love, that they would finally come to reach this full assurance and understanding of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So the New Testament understanding of wisdom is in the Old Testament, in Proverbs specifically, Solomon is crying out to you, seek wisdom, pursue wisdom, listen to the voice of wisdom, and the fulfillment of that is seek Christ. Matthew 7, right? Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. This search for Christ is the same as this search for wisdom for Solomon. That's not too hard of a stretch for you, is it? Because the New Testament never does it describe you to go on an epic quest for wisdom. Right? It tells you to search for Christ. That when you find the Gospel, when you find Christ, that you're to sell everything you have and buy the field that has the treasure in it. The quest is no longer for wisdom as though you were supposed to climb a high mountain and find a guy in a robe and a long beard and he's just going to give you advice from uh, in these sort of pro- proverbial ways. No, that's, that's a, a worldly way to seek wisdom. The New Testament understanding is that when you seek Christ, when you abide in Christ, when you walk with Christ, when you walk in the Spirit, you are in fact experiencing the wisdom and the knowledge uh, of God in that relationship. Okay? So we understand that. So let's look at Proverbs chapter 2. There are three voices that speak loud and clear. I'll just tell you right up front. I I want to speak really clearly. The voice of the Father, He wants you to seek wisdom. Parentheses, we understand that means walk with Christ, walk by the Spirit, walk with God. Right? And then the voice of the evil man. And then there's the voice of the evil woman. Right? There's just three really clear voices that kind of summarize everything. And, and just to remove all the mystery, I'm, this is a spoiler alert, the voice of the Father wants you to stay on the path, the voice of the evil man wants you to get off the path, and the voice of the evil woman wants you to get off the path. All right? You're going to see that here in just a second. But I want to tell you where we're going as we're going there, and then once we get there, I'll tell you again where we just were and where we went. Just to be abundantly, perfectly clear with what the text is saying, because sometimes you can read the text and you can see it and then not really see the big picture. So that's the big picture. Now let's read it and you'll see the big picture again. The voice of the Father. How do I know He's the Father? The first two words, right? What do they say? My Son, right? My Son. This is Solomon teaching His Son, God teaching us, the Father telling His Son, Conditional promise, if you receive my words, if you treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. So these are all words of wisdom. Understanding, attentive, wisdom, commandments, my words, treasure them up, incline your heart to do them. Verse 3, yes, if you Call out for insight. Another word for wisdom. If you raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like you would silver or search for it as you would for hidden treasures. 
pause there. There is currently, if you didn't know it, a real eccentric dude in New Mexico that has hidden like a million dollars worth of treasure. Does anybody know about this story? This guy, for the past 10 or so years, has hidden treasure and he's published the clues. And there are people who are leaving their jobs and their lives and they're trying to figure out where in the southwestern United States this treasure is hidden. It made the news recently because there are people who are dying in search. And the governor of these sort of four states, this Colorado, Nevada, Arizona, New Mexico, where this treasure is hidden somewhere in this area, they are urging the guy to pull the strings on this contest because there are so many people searching for this million-dollar hidden treasure. This is the idea that God wants, the Father is saying that wisdom is available to you, but it requires a treasure-like pursuit. And listen, there's nothing more desirable than what God is offering to you freely. There's nothing more, there's nothing better than Jesus. That if you were to pursue wisdom and knowledge and the mystery of God that is revealed in Jesus, there's nothing more, there is no treasure in New Mexico that rivals knowing Jesus intimately. Knowing the Word, knowing the wisdom of God, there is nothing that rivals that. If you're infatuated with scratch-offs and with lottery and with making more money and picking up two and three side jobs and everything you can do for the hustle to make more cash, let me tell you that your ladder is leaned against the wrong building, right? The way to the top of that building is... All you have to do is search for millionaires and suicide or millionaires and unhappiness. And, or in some way, if you search for how miserable people with lots, if, if that's their God, it makes them miserable. So let me just cut your ladder in half right here and help you bend it toward the right thing. Search for Jesus more than you search for earthly treasure. This is the idea here, is that if you'll seek it, verse 4, like silver, if you'll search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. You'll find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores it up. Sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of His saints. Then you will understand, right? We started with the conditional clause way up front. Verse 1, if you, verse 9, here's the then, right? You all understand conditional clauses. If you do something, then you get something. Verses 1 through 8 are the conditions. If you, if you search for it, if you seek it, if you hunt for it like treasure, if you cry out for it, if you incline your heart, if you give your ear and make it attentive to wisdom, if you do all those things, verse 9, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart, right? The Holy Spirit. God will fill you with His presence in the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Wisdom will come into your heart. Knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. Delivering you from the way of evil men of perverted speech. So here's the other two voices. You see the if-then, if you do this, then you will get all these awesome things. Pleasant stuff, 
Uh, your soul will be guarded. You will have discretion. You will have knowledge. You'll have understanding. You'll have peace. You'll have all these blessings that come from abiding in Christ and walking with Him. And it will protect you from the voice that rivals the Father. Here's the second voice. Take note of what the evil man wants to do. He rejoices in doing evil, verse 14. Verse 12, he is evil. Verse 12, he has perverted speech. It doesn't mean in a uh, romantic perverted way as much as it means in a way that thwarts you from the path. Perverted has this idea that it takes you from something good and twists it into something bad. So this evil person is trying to take you from a good path and put you on a path of evil with his voice. Verse 13, he forsakes the path of uprightness. So he's trying to get you off the right path. And he leads you into ways of darkness. Ways of darkness. John 1, Jesus describes the light And the darkness, he describes the darkness of men, the darkness of our hearts, the darkness of evil. The deeds of men were dark and they don't want to bring them into the light. In all those ways, darkness has this idea of evil. So you can be a voice. Listen, my second question for you today, first question was, listen to the Father. Who are you listening to? The second question is, what kind of voice are you? What kind of voice are you? Are you an evil voice? Do you use your voice to take someone who's on a right path and to influence them to do something evil, something dark, something wrong, something that is known sin. Are you a voice of evil? Do you take someone on a good path and pervert them to a twisted, dark path? What voice are you? Do you allow the voice of God to speak through you, to speak wisdom, to speak peace, to speak truth, to to be upright, to be on passive righteousness, to speak hope, to speak life? So that's the second big question for your application. Number one is, whose voice are you listening to? Number two is, whose voice are you? This evil man wants to walk in ways of darkness. Verse 14, he rejoices in doing evil. He takes great pleasure in sin. He takes great pleasure in doing something evil and delights in the perverseness of evil. Men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways, right? So that's the evil guy. And the cool thing about Proverbs is it makes that really clear. The more difficult thing is in application. There, there aren't people walking around with cue cards that says, I'm evil, right? And I'm the bad guy. Uh, I'm trying to take your path and twist it, right? They always come designed as messengers of, of light and good and reason, and they try to appeal to you, mostly on the basis of pleasure, because that is the quickest way to our flesh, Are you struggling? Are you suffering? Do you feel bad? Just enjoy this pleasure for a while. Just enjoy this benefit or this that appeals to your flesh. That is the voice of evil. There's a third voice in this passage. It's the forbidden woman. It's a woman uh, who is described as evil, and particularly evil in the way in which she entices people off the path. She is a forbidden woman called an adulteress because she has smooth words. One of the quicker ways to a guy is through his ego, right? Guys like words of respect. They like words of affirmation. They like people to build them up and to flatter them. And this is the quickest way that the perverse woman can get a guy is to compliment him, to flatter him, to make him feel good about himself with these words. 
She forsakes the companion of her youth. She forgets the covenant that is her marriage covenant. Her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. No one who goes to her comes back, nor do they regain the path of life. Meaning that if you fall into the hands of a perverse woman like this, it is very, very difficult to get back on the right path. We're going to explore this more in the summer when we talk about the adulteress. Solomon has a lot to say about the adulteress and the adulterer uh, person. The way in, in Proverbs 6 and 7, it is a snare like an ox being led to slaughter. Those are the words that describe that. We're going to cover that later. But suffice it to say here that these two voices want to knock you off the path. When I was in high school, one of my coaches taught us that if we're tiptoeing the sideline and we're about to go out of bounds, there's a way that you can regain your balance. If someone pushes you, uh, conversely, if you're on defense, you want to push somebody from the side because it's easier for them to lose balance side to side than it is frontward and backward. But if you want to regain your balance, your body will follow your head. And if you're, if you're leaning out of bounds, if you tilt your head, your body will reorient itself and allow you to stay on the path. It's not too much different spiritually that if someone is trying to knock you off the path, then in your mind, this battleground for truth, what you need to focus on, listen, is the voice of the Father urging you to walk in Christ. To drown out all the other words, to drown out all the other voices, and if you're not daily tuning your mind to hear from the Father, you will fall off the right path. Or... Worse, you will become the voice of evil. A voice, not that you are an evil person, because we all, we all will struggle in this way at some point. James says if you don't struggle in your words, you're a perfect person. So all of us, not saying you are evil, but that evil can, uh, you can be a tool for evil if you speak and influence people off the path. So number one, whose voice are you listening to today? The Father speaks. He speaks clearly. He speaks often. It's not a matter of Him not speaking. It's a matter of you being a part of that conditional first part. If you seek Him, if you tune in, if you search for Him like for treasure, if you, if you listen close, if you're captivated, if you're soaking it in, if you treasure up My commandments, if you make your ear attentive, if you incline your heart. So in all these ways, all these things are speaking to the mind that rebalances you and reorients you to stay on the path. That's where the battleground is. A few years ago, we went to a conference, and it was a conference designed for... Uh, discipleship and as part of this discipleship conference there was a a track for people to learn how to coach coaching is like a peer coaching if you've gone through lots of discipleship you've discipled someone and how to we have a very clear discipleship process at our church Uh, we have a path that describes how to uh, what what you should do to lead people from far away from God to love them pray for them serve them and speak truth to them so that they can come to this position where they hear the gospel and once they we teach how to speak the gospel, once they hear the gospel, how to lead them to Christ, then there are four stations of growth after that. And in every way, we've outlined this whole discipleship process. In the fourth, last stage of discipleship, not to confuse everybody with my imaginary map here, but in the fourth, last stage, the idea was that you can be a peer-to-peer coach. And a peer-to-peer coach does two things well. 
come alongside you and they listen to you and they listen to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit speaks. And so their only job is to listen. And just to define how powerful this was, the speaker had a guy come up to the middle and, um, and he stood right here in front of the group and he went up beside him and he said, I'm the coach and my role is to listen to God as, he, as I listen to you. What's God speaking to me to encourage you with, to help you with, to strengthen you with? As I listen to what God is saying and as I listen to what you're saying. That's his role, the designated listener. And it sounds simple enough, right? But then he brought another guy from the crowd and you stand here and you're the voice of, uh, of the boss. Be more productive. Do more. Let's go. You've got to make more money. We're the voice of pressure. And then he brought another guy. You're the voice of social media. This is what your life should look like. This is what your vacation should look like. This is what your family should look like. This is what your purchasing should look like. Then he brought the voice of the commercial culture. This is what you should buy. This is what you should purchase. This is what you should not buy. This is what you should purchase. And finally, the spouse and the kids. And, and when, when everybody was in around, they were all shouting at him. And it was near impossible for this one guy because there isn't a designated listener in your circle. Somebody whose only role is to come alongside and help you listen to the Father and help listen to you. And this is the power of a coach. But what it symbolized was and what it showed so clearly in this illustration was that you are being bombarded by voices all the time. Maybe you feel like my voice is bombarding you right now. Um, But you're being bombarded by voices. One of the hardest things you can do is listen. Listen to the right voice. Listen to the voice of God in Romans 8, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Listen to the voice uh, of the psalmist who says that as far as the east is from the west, is as far as he has removed your sin from you. See, the voice of the accuser, the voice of the devil, the voice of the slander is that, oh, God saw that sin, and He's going to hold that against you. You blew it. But as you tune your voice to hear the Father, you hear, I am pleased with you. When I look at you, I see righteousness of Christ. If you are in Christ, I see the righteousness of Christ that covers you like a garment. I see grace. I see forgiveness. I see hope. I see patience and steadfast love. I see joy. I also see correction. I see places where I can discipline you, where I can strengthen you. I see places where you would walk with me better, where your life would be much clearer in witness if you were to get rid of the sin that so easily entangles you. The voice of God is a Father that loves you and speaks clearly and has your, listen, your best interest in mind because He has His glory in mind as He leads you. But you have a responsibility. He is not going to come and shake you and wake you and shout in your ear. You're required to walk with Him, to tune your ears, to make your heart attentive, to tune out the other voices and say, I'm not listening to you. I'm listening to what He's saying. And as you do that, His voice becomes as though a voice through a megaphone. And the other voices can drown out. Elijah was able to hear the voice of God in a whisper because he tuned out the storm and the raging voices around him. Whose voice are you listening to today? And what voice are you 
Maybe you've blown it. Maybe you've been the bad voice that influenced somebody in a bad way. And the greatest thing you can do today is confess 1 John 1.9. If you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you of all sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. What a great promise. That if you can say, Father, I blew it here. I, I led someone astray. I led someone off of a good path by influencing them to do something wicked or evil or sinful. Thank you for forgiving me. Maybe you've been a bad voice and you need forgiveness. Maybe you've listened to the wrong voice and you need to, God to help you tune out those voices. Maybe you just needed to identify what voices you're listening to. Whatever it is that God is speaking to you through this message, we want to give you an opportunity to respond to His voice today. Hebrews, quoting Deuteronomy, says, Today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. Don't ignore it. He speaks and He speaks clearly but He won't speak forever. There comes a time when you can harden your heart to His message so many times that He he refuses to speak any longer. So if you hear His voice today, respond in faith, respond in whatever way that He's calling you to respond. Father, we thank You for Your Word today. We thank You for its clarity. It's not that it's confusing. Sometimes the truth is that Your Word is so simple and clear, and it's our own hearts that get in the way. And so I pray that with the clarity with which I hope and pray that you've spoken today, that we will experience a dedication and an ability to follow you and to hear from you clearly and to put into practice the words that you say. Would you give us all a passionate pursuit for wisdom and for your voice? Would you help us to drown out those competing voices in our culture and in our life? That we may tune our hearts to hear from you, and to do what you say. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.